Hello and welcome to the Pixel Swim Podcast, episode 62. I am Steve Heinrich, your host, and this is the podcast where I take a dive into my personal journey through design and technology and where they meet, and mostly technology, plus other tidbits that I find interesting. This episode is being recorded and released on Thursday, March 28th, 2019. Visit pixelswim.com for all the show notes and social links if you want to follow along or give any feedback after the episode here during the episode. (laughs) Um, I know some people will start typing stuff up during the episode, but I don't know if that's the case for anybody listening. But uh, either way, at pixelswim.com, all the, like I said, social links and ways to get in contact are there. So yeah, I appreciate any feedback. Speaking of which, we will go into our weekly feedback notes and links. And there's a big chunk of feedback this week. So thank you to everybody who reached out via the various ways to get in touch. So I'm going to start with the feedback that I received on MeWe this week. MeWe is actually proving to be a pretty good platform for uh, responding, for people to respond on. So yeah, first of all, we will start with Mike Latori, who reached out about uh, with some advice or some apps to try as far as the the Sony Xperia XZ1 Compact that my wife has and the the charging LED that I was talking about, how it's kind of uh, annoying that it's on all night. There's no way to turn it off uh, while the phone is plugged in. So I mentioned last time I was looking for solutions and Mike reached out with a couple of apps that he said he used used to use on his Galaxy S3. Uh, he said that Lightflow never worked for him, which is an app that I tried, but he suggested a, an app called Light Manager and LED settings. So this is another app, a couple apps. There's a Light Manager and a Light Manager 2 on the Google Play Store that kind of kind of offer some functionality as far as controlling the LED on a, on a phone. So yeah, thanks, Mike, for those. Unfortunately, <laughs> I did go through and try both of those on her device, and they just didn't seem to work. Uh, they did have no effect on the LED whatsoever when uh, in any way, no matter what I was trying to do with it as far as the charging LED or even the notification LED. So or the the notifications that come through and show on the LED. But and I also tried uh, Tasker and Trigger, which are both app very customizable apps for Android that will let you do a whole bunch of different things. And part of it is that you can't control certain actions that for when you plug in the the charger it will well i mean it's supposed to turn off the led you can set up an action for that and it that did not work either i don't know if it's just uh the fact that android has become locked down as far as uh customizations on the back end uh because her phone is on android pie now android 9 and so i don't know if it's just those apps i've heard and and seen info about those as far as them not being able to be as customizable anymore because android is getting a little bit more uh, i guess locked down is the way to put it and uh, not as customizable with those types of apps so that's unfortunate because that would be really useful in this case uh, if that if that is the case but uh yeah thanks mike for reaching out about that and suggesting those apps yeah like i said unfortunately they didn't work <laughs> but uh yeah and then also on MeWe, I had uh, some comments on the last episode from Kurt Kaufman, who, or Court, I think that's how he pronounced it on PSC. He's been, he was on PSC not too long ago, the phone show chat. And he responded with some information about hard drives, or as at, 
at least the uh, the kind of read write stuff about hard drives. I'm just going to read his comment mostly because I am not necessarily well versed in the the specs and the and the uh, technicalities of things. So this was actually information to me. So he says, practically anything is better than using a spinning hard drive in terms of most operations. But and I'm sure you know this, which I didn't. <laughs> that's me saying that now uh, but it bears repeating there are a number of different quantity qualities of solid state memory you can go from the cheapest kind of flash memory to the kind that will be hardwired in major brands of computers the differences will be in the sophistication of the circuitry that determines how to allocate various available areas and the kinds of checks that are made to determine if a specific memory location is still functioning normally additionally the circuit will keep the will keep track of the number of reads and writes on each area there's also just the general number of read reads and writes per section that the media is rated for the better quality rated as having a higher number of course in using an sd card and an adapter in a computer's card slot i would also make sure that one drive or another service is constantly backing up the data as well and yeah i told i again a lot of that was and i i know like about read writes and stuff like that thanks kurt uh for court for leaving that that comment uh, that is very useful information like i know about read write stuff i just don't know the implications or the the you know, like I, I kind of assume that more expensive storage is doing a better job of managing it. And I think that's kind of what he's suggesting here. I don't know if that's always the case, but that's just, you know, kind of the the assumption. But yeah, so I'm sure that different uh, different flash storages work differently. I think that's <laughs> that's what he's saying. Kurt, please correct me if that's not the case. But he also did respond to about the the constantly on LED charger on his because uh, I think he had an XC1 compact and he says it would in his Sony phone. It was annoying at night, but he usually would just flip the phone over if it bothered him. And yeah, that's kind of what my wife has been doing. So she's she's said it's not a big deal. She just flips the phone over or we've also just been charging it all the way up before we go to, you know, as we're getting ready for bed and it charges up and then we just unplug it for the night <laughs> and it usually drops about five or six percent in the night and she still can easily get through the next day on you know 94 or 95 percent on the on the device itself so that's uh yeah it you know it's one of those things where uh, there's no real good solution outside of rooting the device i'm guessing and i don't really know if i want to do that or if there's even a good way to do it I haven't I don't think I've rooted a, an Android device that was any on anything less than or anything more than I think Android Marshmallow or something like that. Yeah, I, I haven't rooted a device in a while that, because honestly, Android hasn't really needed it. And it, a lot of the features are included. And obviously, this LED situation is very specific to Sony and the fact that and the hardware, obviously, because they included it. Uh, I don't think that Android has any sort of built-in LED settings in, in the, the core OS. So uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I don't think that it does. I don't think they account for that really anymore. Yeah, so that's thank you everybody on MeWe for reaching out. That was Kurt and Court and Mike. So I'd like to jump over to, I got a couple of emails also this week that uh, thank you for, you can send via any, any sort of outlet and I'll be, I'll be happy to, 
to read and try and respond to them. So the next one was from Frank Neithart, who's reached out in the past. Thank you, Frank, for sending an email. Uh, he's mentioned that he uses Opera on his work computer as well. And he likes the way that it uh, downloads. The, the, the downloads are managed. Yeah, that's a big thing about between Chrome and, say, Firefox or Opera is that Firefox and Opera kind of use the same system for downloading things. As far as uh, the UI goes, it kind of puts it up in the, the main toolbar off to the right and uh, has a nice section for, for, uh, for all your downloads so you can easily go and access them. They're just, it's just a lot easier to access downloads, uh, I, I think, in, in Opera and Firefox, yeah, because they kind of do it very, very similarly, which is, which is nice. So, and then Frank also suggested, because uh, I've been talking about using an SD card, obviously, to expand the storage on my PC. I've talked about that in the last couple episodes. And he says, uh, if instead of going the SD card route, he would, I would, okay, I'm just going to read what he said. I keep doing this where I, where I uh, start reading it as if I'm trying to speak for him, but I'll just read what he said. So instead of going the SD card route, I would try a two terabyte PCIe card, PCI Express card. And if you don't care about speed, you can try an M.2 card with SATA instead of PCIe. Maybe the X1 will support it. The SATA variant should be way cheaper. So yeah, this is I'll get into this in a little bit because it's kind of the main chunk of my my show here today in a little bit, uh, talking about everything that I went through and I to get uh, a new drive actually ordered. So I did order a new hard drive, and like I said, I'll go into more detail about that uh, a little bit after I get through all the the other feedback and notes and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I actually did. I think I have kind of decided to pass on the SD card for now. But like I said, <laughs> more details to come. And uh, Frank also goes on. He says regarding Outlook and birthdays, I find that some of my contacts are a day off with birthdays synced from Outlook to iPhone. I don't know why. Maybe it's a time zone issue. Time zones are very complicated. Yeah, I thought I've thought that. I thought that maybe there could be something wrong with the the time zone setup when I when Outlook pulls in the contact birthdays uh, from the contacts details. So, yeah, another I'll get to that and also in a little bit about what I've kind of done to supplement that and also based on some other feedback that I received too. So, yeah, the still still uh an issue though but there is a workaround that i kind of worked on like i just said but either way uh frank also says that the 1604 and this is something that i talked about last time is that the birthdays in my contact details that do not have a year on them would show up as 1604 and the the lg contacts app so basically just uh, preloaded something in there. And basically, Frank sent me to a link that's on Stack Overflow, uh, which is a great, great resource of a website, basically a forum to kind of make it through all of the all of the the kind of coding and, and different issues that you might have building anything that involves sort of, sort of coding or, or UI or stuff like that. But Either way, he pointed me over there to Stack Overflow to the answer of why why sixteen oh four is in the the uh, the default as the as the year. So someone posted a question on Stack Overflow about the same thing, and somebody responded. Let me get their name, David or Dave DeLong responded, and this is back in two thousand twelve. So. This obviously isn't anything new, but he says, "Congratulations, you discovered an implementation detail." implementation detail 
First off, contact stores dates as points in time, and it is impossible to store a point in time without a year because every point in time has a year. Thus, a decision had to be made about how to address how a dress book, and this is the in iOS, would store an unknown year in a date. It was decided that 1604 would be a fine year for several reasons. When you're talking about a dress book, again on iOS, it is unlikely that you'll have anyone in your dress book who was born in 1604. Two, 1604 was a leap year by the rules of how leap years are calculated, which means that if the person whose birth year you don't know was born on February 29th, then 1604 could handle that too. 1604 was before the Julian Georgian calendar. Thus, if you're putting pulling birth dates out of a dress book, you'll need to special case 1604 as the birthday where the year is unknown. And then he says, note, to my knowledge, this is only supported when dealing with Georgian calendar, with the Georgian calendar. For all other calendars, this behavior is undefined. So yeah, that's a you know perfect explanation of why 1604 was showing up in the birth dates there. So that's uh Super handy link. Thank you, Frank, for sending that over. That was really that answered the question perfectly. So, yeah, it makes sense. It's just uh, not defined. They chose 1604 is not defined. And because the birthday, the year was not defined. So makes uh, makes total sense. I do my best to try and put the year in for as many people as I can, uh, even if I have to guess, you know, a little bit. But sometimes I just don't have it. So and lastly, Frank says he's he's also been really interested in the E project and that he's actually backed them in the past and he's uh, following along with ease progress as well he doesn't have any devices that run it but he is very interested in in them where they're going and where they'll end up in the future so thanks frank for reaching out with all that feedback is really appreciated and yeah so the next email that i got was from kyle helms who reached out with a bunch of feedback as well uh again talking and still talking about the the issues I was having with Outlook birthday calendar. He said he had issues with the Outlook birthday calendar. So he created he just created another calendar in Outlook for birthdays. So like a separate calendar because you can create your own calendars. So that's uh, yeah, that's a good workaround. And so he says he pulls for like the US holidays and stuff. He pulls in the iCal links that you can get from Google. Uh, like for the holidays calendar, etc. So yeah, this is actually another great workaround. So these are two really good workarounds that I kind of gleaned from Kyle. And I'll talk about those shortly here. But uh, he also talked about being skeptical of Google's Google Stadia being able to deliver on what they're promising. So yeah, I think they're promising like 4k at 60 frame per sec, 60 frames per second for these video games that are hosted on their servers. Yeah, that's a <laughs> that's a lot yeah that's a that's a lot to deliver on so hopefully they can i think they'll get there eventually uh down the line but i think at first it's going to be probably yeah it probably won't be that it'll probably be a lot of problems trying to do that kind of thing but uh not that i'm going to use the service but yeah I'm, i'm skeptical of google being able to deliver on that too so thanks kyle for reaching out about all of that stuff yeah and but the biggest thing that he that he kind of helped me discover was those Outlook calendar workarounds because uh, like I said he was uh, using he uses it as well and over the years he's just kind of discovered these ways to kind of make it work better so that will actually bring me into my LGG6 weekly report so yeah let's go into the uh, the accountability section of the LGG6 here 
And I'll, yeah, I mean, that this, the last feedback actually leads well into this weekly report here is that I took Kyle's advice and I man manually set up my own birthday calendar in Outlook on the web and turned off Outlook's birthday calendar that loads in uh, contacts birthdays. So yeah, basically, I just created a new calendar in out on the on my desktop here on in the on the web browser in Opera. And I just created a calendar. I left the birthdays calendar on for Outlook and just went through anywhere there was a birthday that was being pulled in from the contacts. I just created a new yearly repeating event on the same day that, you know, said whose birthday it was. So and then after I went through the year, uh, luckily, there's only like, a you know, no more than four or five a month. So it wasn't too drastically bad <laughs> to manually put them all in. But and then once I got them all in, I just turned off the count birthday calendar option in Outlook's Outlook's calendar settings, which is buried in the, the settings menu. So that that solved it. Yeah, I mean, that put all of the events in as just a regular event. And they that pull that brings in the calendar just fine over on to most applications now. So I also did pull in the US holidays calendar from Google. So I went into my Google calendar, which I, you know, I still have my Google account. And you can actually pull a public URL from the the, the US holidays calendar that you can use. It's an iCal link and you can pull that link into your Outlook calendar. So I pulled in Google's US holidays calendar. So I mentioned last time that the daylight savings time didn't show up, which <laughs> does show up in uh, Google's version of the holiday calendar. So, yeah, I pulled that in and now that is in my Outlook calendar being fed right in in there. And then I, I deleted or turned off Outlook's holiday calendar. So that solved. So two things that Kyle suggested, I went in and, and made that happen and made things a lot better. So you got to kind of curate things a little bit with the Outlook calendar if you're going to use it long term. So those those two suggestions were definitely good. But and, and I'm still in my LG G6 weekly report here because uh, now that I've done those two things, uh, made the birthday calendar and pulled in the holiday calendar uh, I'm back on my LG, I was using the Outlook app uh, because it was pulling in the holidays, you know, it pulled in all the calendar stuff fine in the Outlook app, but that stuff isn't accessible by the Android system. So I went back to LG's mail and calendar apps. So I uh, set up the exchange account again on the on the LG G6 for all of my Outlook settings. And so that pulls in contacts, calendar, mail and uh, tasks. And so, yeah, that now I can use LG's email app and calendar app and the calendar app pulls in everything just fine. Now uh, you have to turn off a few of the, you know, the extra calendars or the the birthday calendars and stuff like that in the, the settings of the calendar of what to display. But yeah, everything displays correctly and works well now. So yeah, I'm grateful for that. Thanks, Kyle, for those suggestions. So made things a lot better. Make, you know, like I said, you got to kind of curate things. So and then the last thing with my LG G6 is that I actually put the Incipio Dual Pro case back on it. That's kind of the dual layer case that's provides a bit more protection. Not sure why I did, you know, just like switching cases every once in a while. I had that ring key case on there with the port covers. And then that was kind of my my least 
amount of impact size impact i guess on the case to to the most so this in scipio case is actually it's a little bit bulky but you know sometimes i i don't know about how uh, everybody else handles their phone but sometimes i like to be a little rough with the phone you know setting it down i like to be able to just set it down without having to worry about anything and this uh in scipio case definitely lends to that so uh, it's on there for now we'll see how much longer i last because like i said it is a little bit bulkier it doesn't it's a little bit grippier as well, so it doesn't slide in and out of the pocket super easily. And it, but yeah, that's just kind of where I'm at. You know, got all these cases, just trying them out. Uh, I think I initially started with this one when I got the phone. So yeah, this has been the LG G6 weekly report. All right, so the next thing on my list is actually a bit of bad news for me, anyway. <laughs> And you know, it's not horrible or anything really bad, actually. So uh, I accidentally broke my day streak on Bing Rewards. So I a, a couple months back, I was, you know, kind of deciding that I wanted to try and get as many days in a row as I could on Bing Rewards. So every day that you do the certain amount of set tasks, it will count as a day towards your day streak, your streak of days in a row. And I had just hit 60 days in a row. And so every, you know, every week or I don't know how many days, eight, seven or eight days, you'll get bonus points just for having uh, that many days in a row. So uh, I just hit 60 days. And I, last Sunday, I think we were out and doing stuff and I just forgot to do my ping rewards for the day. And it reset my streak back to zero. So I was trying really hard not to miss a day. And I didn't actually. Yeah, I I didn't make it very far, I guess. But two months to do that every day is kind of a for me, it's something it actually led me to wonder if anybody out there has what what is your longest streak that you've had on Bing rewards or Microsoft rewards, I guess you can, I should probably be calling it but what is your longest streak that you've had or you currently have? Yeah, I'd be curious to know how everybody because I know a few people responded they they use the Microsoft reward. So I'd be curious to know what what where everybody's at with that. If I'm if 60 days is a lot or if I'm just, you know, if it's puny compared to what some other people do. I know there's probably a lot of people in the world who have huge streaks <laughs> of days. So, yeah, like I said, that's bad news for me because I'm back to ground zero with that. But well, we'll try again. But yeah, let me know where you're at with that. All right. So the next bit of notes that I have here is uh, ba basically this email that I got today from Discuss uh, that they're introducing collapsed responses in their their comment threads for wherever they're, you know, they're installed on on a lot of websites. So uh, basically they will as part of this change, they are going to collapse a thread when it has more than six total replies or more than four sub threads replies to replies. So yeah, the basically if you've seen uh, if you're on MeWe, if you're one of the, the people on MeWe, you'll know that having threaded conversations and sub conversations is kind of a pain. And <laughs> when when all of a conversation is hidden below links below see more links, uh, there's actually yeah, it, it kind of destroys the conversation a little bit. And uh, discus is pretending that they you know i don't i don't want to say they're pretending but they're kind of throwing out the notion that this will make everything much more usable and better and i just don't think that it does i don't think it does a good job of promoting conversation in a thread but 
uh, not very happy about this. And there's actually, I'll put a link to their blog post about it where it's like, yeah, this is great and good. And then they have a comment section on their page and people are not uh, necessarily happy about it. I hope that they make it just optional. So you don't bury your, your sub replies. You don't have to, if you don't want to on your website. Uh, and basically you can see the entire conversation in full uh, because honestly, I think scrolling past something is much faster than having to tap a see more link over and over again for sub replies, et cetera. After a certain point, I, I just I don't think that that's yeah, I just don't think it's going to promote conversation the way that they think it is. Uh, read through their blog post. They kind of give a re- the reasons why. But. I just I don't think it's a good idea, but I thought I'd share that because Disca, discus or whatever you want to call it, discuss. <laughs> I always get confused because it's D-I-S-Q-U-S is how they spell it. Uh, it's a great service, great commenting service, easy to install on a website. But I think that they're just missing the mark with this one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I use discuss on my website. I know it's on allaboutwindowsphone.com uses it. So there'll be I think it'll affect that a little bit more. I don't really get many too many levels deep with my replies on my website, but uh, AAWP would, might, you know, might run into that. So you might start seeing that on some websites. And I actually, on the comment thread on this blog post by Discuss, they, uh, there's actually, you'll find a bunch of those see more, see more replies link and it links and they just, uh, it doesn't do much for me. <laughs> I just think it hides I don't know. You're just not going to get the whole conversation if you're scrolling through. And yeah, not a good thing, I don't think. All right. So I just wanted to throw out a little note on Opera extensions uh, because I noticed a few people responded that they're using Opera. Uh, I noticed when I installed Opera this last time and started using it that they kind of offered up front an extension that is by Opera themselves where you can install Chrome extensions in your Opera installation. So basically what this official, it's an official extension from Opera that you can install. And then you basically, if you install the extension and enable it, you can browse the Chrome extension store online and all of the listings, uh, instead of having the add to Chrome button on the uh, extension listings on the, the Chrome extension site it, that replaces it with a an add to Opera button. And basically you can install any Chrome extension onto Opera. And this makes sense because it's built on Chromium. So that's just kind of a simple thing to, to do for Opera. I know that in the past that these sort of extensions in the past have been around uh, for you to be able to install Chrome extensions on different Chromium browsers. But I thought that this was a little bit different because it's actually Opera is offering it themselves to kind of expand the functionality outside of their own extension store. So I don't know if this is not available everywhere or what, but I'll put a link to that extension, that Opera extension in the show notes if you want to try that out on your your Opera browser on desktop. And actually in Firefox too, you can install Chrome extensions by using another by using a Firefox extension. I think it's like Firefoxified or something like that. I used to use that on Firefox and that one works a lot differently because obviously Firefox isn't built on Chromium. So it actually will take the extension, I believe, and download it from the the Chrome store, uh, the Chrome extension store online. 
and sort of repackage it into Firefox uh, in Firefox's format. Uh, it's a little bit different, a little more complicated to get those extensions working uh, in Firefox, but there that option is there. So, but yeah, I just thought I'd bring up a note and then the fact that you can install Chrome extensions on Opera if you're looking to really expand functionality because Opera's extension store is not the greatest. So, all right, so I'm going to go into the main chunk of my notes here, and this uh, deals with hard drive, my hard drive. I'm just uh, an update on my my hard drive situation because I've been trying to find a solution for my X1 Extreme and trying to kind of condense everything down so I can kind of get rid of my external hard drive that I use. But yeah, I, I was kind of mentioning it earlier because Frank mentioned the M.2 SATA drives, and I'll, I'm just going to go into a little bit more depth about what I've <laughs> what I've done because I did order order a drive to get in here. So uh, I just wanted to start this by saying that uh, I'm still kind of learning about all of the the hard drives, the modern hard drives and SSDs. So please bear with me if I happen to get something wrong or, if, you know, if I misspeak about something, uh, feel free to correct me. Uh, I watched, I did start to watch a few videos. Uh, Frank actually sent one that I haven't had a chance to watch. I think it's a little bit longer. So I watched a few basic videos uh, to try and straighten out all the differences in the SSD drives and the options that are out there. So I just, uh, yeah, I just wanted to put that that disclaimer out there. I am not uh, super great with the specifics of hardware, uh, kind of how uh, Kurt Kaufman or Kurt Kaufman went into it in, my, in the feedback I, I spouted out a little bit earlier. Uh, that's not, I don't have that <laughs> that level of knowledge necessarily with with hardware. Um, I generally just when I'm looking to replace or add something, I generally just try and match up numbers when I'm ordering uh, parts or upgrades. So that's yeah, I just wanted to put a disclaimer on this. I am not an expert, not not even like half of an expert <laughs> on this stuff. So I just I you know, I'm, I'm I do well enough to find part numbers that match and, and, and usually get the right part and, and to replace something. So Disclaimer. Yeah, just big disclaimer there. But either way, uh, I did some more digging around uh, on my on my my PC. Uh, and I found that there actually is no limit to the size of the second hard drive slot that I have in, in this X1 Extreme. Uh, what was happening? What I think last time I said that I couldn't add a drive that was more than one terabyte to that second slot that was in the x1 extreme and so basically what was happening was i was a little bit confused because i was what i was reading was not necessarily the the official specs or the maximum specs for the x1 extreme i was just on their purchase page reading through the specifications and it says up to two terabytes of of, of storage uh, basically one terabyte per per slot in the in the pc itself and that was referring to the fact that they won't ship anything with more. You know, that's what they offer out of Lenovo, out of the box, uh, the maximum that they offer out of the box. So it didn't necessarily mean that that's the max that the PC supported. It's just what Lenovo will ship it with. So, yeah, I did uh, find a full specs PDF from Lenovo. It was a one page thing that kind of broke down the the specs a little bit more and then i you know i went to the the hard drive or the memory section 
and it basically listed all of the gigabytes on what's supported as kind of undefined, uh, which basically I read as that there isn't really a limit. <laughs> you know, there's not really a, a maximum for these hard drives because I talked to last time about a an Intel SSD drive that I was looking at that was one terabyte uh, because I thought that that's all that I could do. So in the specs for the PC, uh, it, it actually, this X1 Extreme supports two types of M.2 SSD drives. So it supports the M.2 SSD SATA drive, which Frank, I think, was talking about a little bit earlier. That's less expensive. And that is uh, listed at six gigabytes per second. I don't know if that's accurate, but either way. So it supports the M.2 SSD SATA and the M.2 SSD PCIe NVMe. So, yeah, that's uh, kind of what I was looking at when I was looking at videos online. And and when I was first reading the specs, I kind of thought that one bay or one slot on the PC would support one of each. Of, uh, you know, it w- one would support the SATA, one p- supports the PCIe NVMe type. But it's actually each each slot supports either one of those. So uh, that was nice to to read. And so that basically got me, uh, you know, looking more at uh, two terabyte hard drive. So uh, but with that said, before I did all this research and found those specs, I actually did order the one terabyte SSD card from Newegg, (laughs) Uh, not knowing that I could do the two terabyte. Luckily, the next it was like the next morning when I was looking into all this and realized, I think I can actually get that two terabyte SSD. And so I canceled the the first order for the one terabyte and ordered the two terabyte version of the same drive. So the drive that I ended up getting off of Newegg is the Intel 660p series. And this is an M.2 2282 terabyte PCI Express 3.0 times four, which I uh, learned a little bit about in the the videos that I was watching. It's a 3D NAND in 3, 3D NAND or NAND internal solid state drive so this is i'll put a link to this in the show notes it's on new egg and so basically this is a pci nvme drive which the second slot supports on my pc so that's good uh the sequential read is up to 1800 megabytes a second and the sequential write is the same at 1800 megabytes a second so this is actually way more affordable than most of the two terabyte drives that I found. And I didn't know what the 3D NAND technology was. So I looked into that 3D NAND thing and it says 3D NAND flash is a type of flash memory in which the memory cells are stacked vertically in multiple layers. Flash manufacturers developed 3D NAND to address challenges they encountered in scaling 2D planner NAND, t- NAND technology to achieve higher densities at a lower cost per bit. So yeah, this is a, a way to make things uh, a little bit cheaper. And that, yeah, this this uh, Intel SSD drive is actually, uh, I don't want to say significantly less expensive than a uh, other two terabyte SSD P- PCIe NVMe drives. <laughs> There's so many, so many things to, 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 to cover as far as the types of drives. So yeah, anyway, this is an M.2 drive and it will fit in my fingers crossed. It will fit in my second slot on my my X1 Extreme here. So I'll have two, ter- two terabyte drive 
in that second slot. And I just wanted to double check as well. So I actually cracked open the bottom of my X1 Extreme, which is not uh, not as bad as it seems. It's part of the reason that I got this X1 Extreme is because it is so easy to replace things in it. So the bottom, I think there's a total of five or six screws that all basically just you just unscrew those screws and you can pull off the bottom plate and all the screws actually stay in the plate which is really nice that's a nice feature i'm so used to to laptops where the screws come out and you got to keep track of them and inevitably after putting it back together there is screws left over but this was not the case (laughs) with the bottom of the x1 extreme so yeah so i thought i'd double check i popped open the bottom and yeah so to take a look at that second slot and it's exactly the same as the first slot in there so this is uh i had seen this uh i wanted to make sure that my the model that i had because i was going based off of the uh mobile tech review of the x1 extreme where uh, lisa gade actually opened up the bottom of the computer to take a look inside at everything and it looks yeah it looks exactly the same as that video so the I just but like I said, I just wanted to double check. You didn't you never know if anything's going to be slightly different on your model. But yeah, so the second drive is the PCIe uh, has the same notching as the first drive. So there's the I think it's four or five pins off to the right. I don't know. I'm like I said, I'm still trying to learn about all this stuff. But yeah, it's the same inside uh, as the main drive. So hopefully when that drive comes in, uh, I think it will be headed in this weekend. Uh, should be delivered and I will install that. And yeah, that'll be (laughs) super easy to do and super good. So, uh, but yeah, overall, uh, the setup is basically going to solve all of my problems. Uh, And because I thought I was limited to one terabyte before, I thought that that second slot was not going to be the answer. Uh, So I was looking at just getting one terabyte in there and working with an SD card for other stuff. And but if it comes in and it fits and it reads the drive, you know, it reads the two terabytes, then it will solve all of my problems because basically then I'll have a main one terabyte SSD drive that stores the OS and the, all the apps that I have installed and then the life files that I have on my my external hard drive, the two terabyte hard drive. So and then I'll have the secondary two terabyte SSD in that other NVMe slot that will be for all of my work files. So yeah, I just, uh, I already have over just over one terabyte of work files, but all of those will go on there. So I'll have a terabyte of breathing room. So another 12 years, <laughs> uh, probably not because we are doing a lot more videos. So uh, either way, that will take care of that external drive. Uh, I will have not have to have an external drive or an SD need uh, to use an SD card for anything. And now I can use the external drive that I use now as a backup and that can actually stay with me because i don't think i mentioned which one it was which external drive that i had that i used uh that i use every single day uh it is actually a a usb 3.0 uh two and a half inch two terabyte uh spinning hard drive by western digit it's the western digital my passport ultra so it's actually kind of uh, quote unquote special edition it's like a silvery looking drive. I'll put a, a link to that in the show notes. Uh, I was, you know, fairly cheap to get spinning hard drives. And so, yeah, I've been working off of that for the past. Oh, wow. A few years now, a couple years. 
three years, three to four years, probably. So yeah, it's been, it's been a workhorse. I've never had any issues with it, but now I can just take that with me because that just plugs into a USB 3.0 slot. It doesn't need any external power or anything like that. It's very small. It's the two and a half inch version. So, and it's two terabytes. So uh, it's, it's worked well. And uh, hopefully with this new drive in there, I won't need it anymore. And like I said, I can carry it around to make backups of the new SSD drive. So I don't, you know, match one for one as far as storage size goes. Uh, and then I actually have another backup drive that I, I use now for that, the My Passport or the Western Digital Passport. Uh, it's actually the backup drive for that is it's actually a three and a half inch 1.5 terabyte hard drive in an enclosure and this was actually the original secondary drive that i had in my work desktop pc when i was still going into the office and i had a desk and everything uh so that uh luckily uh, well eventually it wouldn't be big enough to back up everything so that one will i'll figure out what to do with that one at, at some point so but yeah basically i will not have to carry around an external drive which is at this point it's well i mean not at this point for the last few years it's been kind of a dongle <laughs> that's hung off of my computer i did uh, actually attach it to the back of the the display on my previous two laptops uh using a 3m product that's like an interlocking Velcro type thing. It's very sturdy, very, uh, very sticky. <laughs> so I, you know, could put one piece on the back of the monitor or the uh, display and then the other piece on the back of the external hard drive. And I could clip almost clip them in this type of like very solid Velcro. And it would it's more like interlocking. So it's not like traditional Velcro, but that's how I would attach it to the back. So that way I can move the PC around without uh, having to worry about flinging the hard drive all over the place. It was attached to the back, so mounted, as as I guess you would say. But since I got the X1 Extreme, I haven't wanted to put a really sticky piece of, you know, tape on the back of it uh, because I don't want to damage it because <laughs> it's very, very sticky. The, the last two laptops I've had, I believe, are one was aluminum and it didn't have any sort of coating or, or it actually did have a coating on it. And when I pulled off the... Uh, the Velcro sticker, it actually, you know, there was a little light spot around where the sticker had been. So it did pull off some of the coating that was on the the aluminum. And then on the previous Lenovo laptop, it was plastic. And that one actually came off really well. So, but I don't want to put it on the back of this one. And I have the option now to not have to have to carry that around and uh, make sure that it's plugged in and taking up a USB port. So everything will be internal. So that's um, very, very happy about that. <laughs> very happy to, to hopefully get this situation uh, buttoned up and nice and, and easy. So basically, like I said, it's taking up a USB port, this hard drive that I use every single day. And it's just kind of, I string it around to the back. You know, I keep the drive behind the PC at this point and I won't have to do that. So hopefully, like I said, fingers crossed, hands together this will be <laughs> this will be really nice to and even more portable and like i said it's just nice to to be able to have a backup drive that i can make a backup anywhere anytime much easier to break out because the the my previous backup drive the one the one and a half terabyte one from my old pc is in an external enclosure and it has a, a power source that you have to plug in and uh it uses a you know, just a regular USB cable 
and it's kind of a beast. The case, the encasing that my work bought for it is actually kind of a beast. It's very, it's a, I believe it's aluminum, but it's pretty heavy and thick and bulky, um, much bigger than the actual three and a half inch drive that's in there. So it'll just be, be nice and easy to, to make backups onto this Western digital, my passport. So, cause it is so much smaller and I can keep it with me in my backpack. And, you know, if I'm at work, I can make a backup there too as well or any just anywhere so yeah really looking forward to getting that drive in so thanks for bearing with me while i spew on about uh my these hard drive problems hopefully this will be it um i'll report back after i get that installed obviously and hopefully everything goes well so yeah okay so the last thing that i want to share is a link real quick and i talked last week about having to uh fend off a hack on my uh, work website uh, I just wanted to put this link out there because it might be useful if you if you use WordPress as your site. Uh, if you're not using a backup solution right now, there is a nice plugin called Updraft Plus uh, for WordPress, and there's a free version of it that lets you do quite a bit. Obviously, there's a, a pro version that will you know let you have more functionality. But this is the plugin that I use for any WordPress website that I've that I've worked on. So. And it does a really good job and it'll back up. Uh, I have it set to back up directly to uh, Google Drive. So it doesn't, you know, lives externally, all these backups and they're easy to restore. I have had to restore one in the past and it, it, it does a great job. Uh, it's just overall very, very nice plugin. Again, that's Updraft Plus. I'll put a link in the show notes because uh, I think it's really important. You know, obviously, if you're running a WordPress website to to back things up and if you don't have something installed already, this is uh, my favorite one. All right. So let's wrap things up. I think I've droned on enough and talked about hard drives uh, enough today. So and thought about them enough. <laughs> Either way, thank you for tuning in. Uh, visit Pixelswim.com for all the show notes. This was episode 62. Uh, nothing significant about that. Again, don't know why I mentioned it, but either way, thank you for tuning in. If you want to leave feedback, uh, there's a discuss comment section, discuss comment section on the show notes page. Uh, if it goes any more than a few deep, apparently it's going to get hidden. So let's keep everything in the main thread, folks. I'm just kidding. <laughs> either way, there's a, an email form on there. You can get in touch via social media. Uh, Twitter and MeWe are the main ones there. I think Google Plus will be gone by by the next week. So <laughs> I still have been posting every episode on on Google Plus. So I don't know if that's uh, I don't know. That's maybe we'll do a little tribute next week. But either way, thank you for tuning in. As always, any feedback is appreciated. Thank you to everybody who left feedback last time. And yeah, have a great afternoon or evening or sunrise or sunset or twilight or twilight new moon, or whatever time it is when you're listening to this. So thanks again, and Godspeed. <laughs>